It's Friday here at the Soul of Wisdom, and we have fun things to discuss. Well, maybe not so fun. If you work for John Deere, you just rejected a contract that pays you an additional 10%, gave you just short of a $10,000 bonus, and made sure you didn't have to pay for your health care. I'm not sure why you rejected that, so we're going to discuss it. We're going to talk about Etsy, a subject that's near and dear to our hearts, specifically their inability all of a sudden to support its sellers, which seems a little bit counterintuitive to us. So we'll get into that. And in segment three, we're going to meet a robot named Flippy, and we're going to talk about its predecessor, Flippy 2. So do yourself a favor, get inside the car, buckle up, keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle. We are going to go for a ride today because this is the Soul of Wisdom, and here we go. Greetings, welcome. It is Friday. It is the Soul of Wisdom. And you know what's special about this Friday, my brazen bedazzling babe? Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, it means they get the weekend off? No, I meant specifically for us. Oh. Uh, we've been doing this for a month now? Uh, yeah, kind of. Episode 25. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're, we're like a quarter century old now. Interesting. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah. So celebrate with us. Digital clap. Yay. Yay. Wave your hands in the air like you just don't care. Yay. Okay. Yeah, if you're visually gifted and you just saw that, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, hi. Hi. It's Friday. <clears throat> it is the soul of wisdom. I'm clearing my throat as I am apt to do on this show. That's part of the charm. You get to listen to me just make noises. It's dad noises. Cool. Family guy calls it dad, dad noises. noises. Yeah. Well, like we've said, semi-professional podcast. Yeah. But that's okay. As always, it's time for me to plug stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you can visit us online at soulwisdom.com. That is S-O-U-L-E wisdom.com. There you will find wonderful things like links to previous episodes, uh, links to all of our businesses, and we sell things that are good as Christmas gifts. Yep. So I'm just saying, you should go there. Uh, soulwisdom.com slash learn takes you to our teachable page uh, where you can like learn stuff from us. It's true. And our tip jar is also available there. So yeah. if you'd like to support the show, that is where you do it. You can also email us questions at soulwisdom.com and you can tweet us at soulwisdom and you can even visit our brand new Facebook page, which is at soulwisdom. Very cool. For those five people who are still left on Facebook, we got you covered. Yep. Alrighty. So Buffers, are you excited that it's Friday? I am. Why? Um, because Friday we don't cook and we get takeout. That's true. What are we going to have? We got to order after the show. I'm not sure. Because you got to order like 10 hours in advance at most places now. I'm not sure. We'll have to figure it out. Hmm. I'm thinking Arby's. They have the meats. They do. Or the meat sweats. One of those. I heard they have a new shake. Yeah, what is it? It's a, uh, what was it? Cinnamon. Toast crunch? No. Cinnamon something. Raisin cinnamon brand? bun, maybe? Was it cinnamon bun? Cinnabon? They own Cinnabon, or they're, like, combined. Some Arby's actually, like, sell Cinnabon now. I'll have to look. So is it a Cinnabon shake? I don't think it was actually Cinnabon. Hmm. Stand well, by. Well, continue. you want me to pause the whole no, show while continue. you try to figure this out? Because <laughs> your fat girl is like, I need to figure this out. No, no, continue. I'll yeah. just keep looking it up in the background, like I always do. For the record, I did not just call my wife fat. I talked about her fat girl. That refers to her eating. Caramel cinnamon. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's just let's just do Arby's then tonight. Yeah. So yeah, we like 
we like cook six days a week and we try to eat fairly healthy, which you wouldn't know for the snacking that we do and discuss here on this podcast, but we actually do eat well, uh, except for Fridays. Yeah. Fridays, it's no holds barred. No. No. Whatever. If it's greasy and it's good and we don't have to cook it, it happens. Yep. But, uh, okay. Maybe like, the, we got like the local taco place that we hit up quite a bit. No, we can't hit it up anymore. Oh, you're talking oh, about no. you're talking about junk food taco. Junk food taco. Yeah, so there was two taco places. There's a place that we call junk food taco where instead of an actual taco shell, you can just get like fried cheese that forms a shell. Yeah. Which is like ridiculously bad for you, but oh my heavens, is it good? Uh, but then we also had this taco truck, which has just kind of vanished from the scene because they decided to take the summer off. And then when they came back, they couldn't find anybody to work. Yeah. So now they don't exist anymore. At the junk food taco place, our son gets a burrito that has like French fries and Cheetos put inside of it. It's it's really not good for you. <laughs> no. And this is why we don't go there every week. No. No. That's like a special occasion. Or we're going to be accused of, like, child abuse for yeah. letting them eat that damn exactly. thing. It's horrible for you. But, yeah. So, you know, we just talked about the taco truck that uh, doesn't have workers. Guess who else doesn't have workers still? Um, like everyone. Well, yeah, but specifically, the. I'm trying to lead you in here so we can discuss what we're going to talk about. <laughs> but you're like, you know, you're, you're, here's my wife right now, okay? <laughs> Now, if you're visually gifted, you know this. If you're the podcast side, you don't know this because it really doesn't make a difference. But she is the off-camera producer wife. She never appears on camera. She sits across from me off-camera, away from the lights because they cause her a migraine. But she's just sitting here picking at her nails. <laughs> I just fiddle. Just, just, yeah, just like ripping them off and doing her thing. Pretty soon a file's going to come out and she's going to like manicure herself while I'm trying to do this damn show. <laughs> but... But she's just sitting there like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, with the, the quality kind of interaction <laughs> that I'm looking for here on this show. So thank you for that. No, I, I, I talked about the junk food taco place. I looked up the shake. I'm participating. Yeah, yeah, that's some, some quality, uh, quality participation. Thank you. All things that you're interested in right now. <laughs> you're like, that damn shake sounds good. I'm going to go figure that thing out. And I'm like pausing the show for it. You're giving me the just keep going motion while you spend time figuring it out. Oh, goodness. Okay. Let's not keep these poor people waiting any longer. What were, we're you going to talk about John Deere. Oh, okay. Because yes. we talked about them before. And, and you know what? They've tuned out already anyways. They probably have, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. If if it, it's funny, I'll just say this real quick since we're already down this rabbit hole anyways of of getting people to tune out. <laughs> um, I was reading through this podcast forum the other day, and somebody had had started this thread about how they can't stand a podcast where there's banter back and forth, and they they were just like complaining about it. But all the comments underneath were like fifty fifty. They're like, I love the banter. And then the other half was, I agree with you. I hate the banter. So we're not for 50% of people anyways. Yeah. But that means we are for 50% of people. Yeah, which and isn't half what's bad. The, what's the world Ha-ha. up to now? Seven billion? And that was a nice joke. Yeah. Seven billion or whatever. Something so like three that. and a half billion should technically be listening to us right now. That's true. Even the babies. Even the babies. Because they're in that count. 
So if you need to put your child to bed at night and, you know, they're like cranky and colicky or whatever, just put on this podcast. We got you covered. All right. Okay. Well, what the hell were we talking about? John, John Deere. Deere. Oh, I just swore. You can't use it with the baby. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie. So visually gifted, we will pull up Mr. Browser here. Those of you on the podcast side, listen to the sound of my voice as it gets you deep into a calm sleep. So we can talk about people that are striking? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Okay, so we covered John Deere a week or two ago as part of our People Are on Strike episode. Striketober, yeah. Yeah. Striketober. Well, now it's uh, Strikevember. Yeah. So, uh, dear employees, reject their contract offer. We'll stay on strike. Hold on just a second because there goes Fox again launching a video for us. They just, every time. Yeah. I paused the thing, too, before we go to Mr. Browser, and it still pops up. Yep. All right. Anyways, so workers have been on strike since October 14. Workers at John Deere announced Tuesday they rejected a strike offer from the company. This is from Fox Business, by the way. That would have given them a 10% pay increase. It also would have provided an $8,500 ratification bonus preserve a pension option for new employees, made workers eligible for health care sooner, and maintained their no-premium insurance health care. That's insane. A 10% raise, an $8,500 bonus, and you're not paying a premium for your health care. And, and they were making decent money before, I remember from previously. No. Yeah, um, dear workers on average were making 60 grand as i recall and that was on a 40-hour work week that wasn't with overtime yeah so it would have bumped them to sixty-six thousand, and an 8500 bonus and no premium health care yeah and they said no so yeah 55 percent of its members at the 12 main plants voted against the contract offer now that does tell me that it is a little bit of a shop divided. 55, 45, that's not exactly, you know, overwhelming yeah. numbers that voted against this. Uh, last month, 90% of members rejected a contract proposal that would have provided a 5% raise for some workers and 6% for others. So that was, they doubled the offer. Yeah. And they still said no. Uh, do, 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 do. Yeah, that's pretty much the gist of the article <clears throat> that is relevant to what we need to talk about. But here's my concern, and you tell me, producer wife, if you agree. I'm of the opinion and of the concern that these people are going to price themselves right out of a job. Yeah, how does that work? Can they just start hiring people around the union or... Uh, they could. I mean, uh, you know, companies have brought in scabs and stuff before. It gets messy. I think the more likely option is they're going to say, screw it, and they're going to move the plant. They'll either take the plants and they'll move them to a right-to-work state, <clears throat> or they'll go to, like, Mexico. Yeah, that's a good point. Where they don't have to put up with this stuff. Because, you know, there's this, this feeling right now in in so many different especially unionized shops where they're like we've got all the leverage we've got everything uh no you don't i mean yeah you can go ask for more and stuff and they're ponying up to give more for sure they doubled the original offer yeah 
But at some point, you got to say, we'll take it because there's nothing that keeps that company from saying, see ya. Yeah. Because there's all sorts of people in other parts of the country or in other countries who will take that work. Yep. And we do know because we looked at John Deere's balance sheet when we were looking at this before that they do have cash on hand. They do. So if they needed to move their operations, they probably could. Now, granted, there's going to be short-term pain there because it's going to affect their productivity and their ability to, to manufacture in the short term. But their but, productivity is already being messed up right now. So. Well, I think the I think the out at that point is they might, they might give in to the union's demands to get production moving. But then at the back end, they're moving the plants, so they might agree to like a year or two deal, something like that, to buy them time while they relocate. Yeah, that's possible. Um, <clears throat> and that's just. That's a dangerous game to play with people's jobs, especially when they're they're good paying jobs to start with. Yeah. It's a company that's an American icon, it's well founded, it's it's from what I saw looking through their financials, it's well run. Yeah. So it's not like something that's in danger of going away. <clears throat> we need their stuff. Yep. Because, you know, food. Farms, yeah. So you know, it it seems to me like a good thing to work there. Now, I don't work there, so, you know, maybe their management is all buttholes. I don't know. Yeah. But regardless of that, if you look at it from just the financial standpoint, it's a stable place to be. And having, you know, like no premium health care is not nothing. No. Especially nowadays. Yeah. So when, you know... If you're self-employed like us and you have to go out to the marketplace to get your insurance, good luck because the plans all suck and they're expensive. Yep. I don't know. It feels to me like they're looking a gift horse in the mouth on this one. And again, if you harken back to the last episode that we did with regards to this stuff a week or two ago, we were very 50-50. In some cases, we were pro-union and in some cases, we were pro-management. Yeah. This was a scenario, even with the offer that they had him before, where we were more pro-management. Yeah. Uh, now we're definitely more pro-management because they doubled it. These guys are crazy. Yeah, they doubled sure. it. And they're still like, nope, can't do it. Well, at this, you know, I don't like seeing companies go away, especially, you know, solid American companies like John Deere. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame them a bit if they ran. Yeah. Because, you know... Granted, there used to be a time where you would have this loyalty that would happen between a company and its workers. And a lot of that has gone by the wayside, for sure. Yeah. But it seems to me in this case, from everything that I've read and everything I've looked at, that you've got a solid company that's actually trying to do a little bit right by its workers, and the workers are giving them the middle finger. Yeah. So, I don't know. Wouldn't blame them at all if they left. No. But at some point, you know, at some point the people who keep saying, I want more money, I want more money, I want more money, have got to stop. Yeah, the inflationary wages are going to self-destruct. Well, yeah, I mean, the other thing, yeah, you're going to, there's two things going on. You're going to ask yourself out of the market. 
and then the money to give these people higher wages has to come from somewhere and that's from increase in prices so you've just wiped out what you've what your gains were anyways yep and then you'll come back later and ask for more and it's this never-ending cycle but part of that is learning to be content which it seems like so many people aren't nowadays yeah. But you can definitely price yourself out of work, as we will touch on just a little bit in segment three uh, when we get to that story. Yeah. Because people are going to price themselves out there, too, because they figured out how to do it cheaper. Yep. But we'll talk about that. Anywho, that is the John Deere labor strike. Update. Update. Strike Vember, I guess we call this now. Yeah. But whatever. I hope... I hope they reconsider. I really do. Because, you know, they're being dumb. Yeah. I'm just saying. On that note, let's take a break. Okay. You enjoy this lovely music. We'll be right back with something else to say. Ever since I was a young boy, music filled my back segment two of this fine friday edition of soul of wisdom did you enjoy your musical interlude we did we danced we sang beth made faces at me because she's i think about to sneeze i feel like i'm gonna sneeze yeah. so i'm gonna go ahead and mute her just no. in case i'm gonna unmute her because she just got mad at me for muting her no i i stopped the sneeze it's okay she's like how dare you silence me Yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> hey, whatever not yeah. the first time you've yelled at me today. Won't be the last. Probably true. This is the role of a husband. Yeah. The getter yeller at her. I think that's what that's called. I don't think that was proper English, but you know. Well, nothing I say is proper English. Fair. If you've listened to the show for five minutes, you've figured that out. Fair. It's it's all weird, <clears throat> but that's okay. <clears throat> I'm gonna mute myself. <clears throat> Here we go. He's back. Smooth. Smooth. Yeah. Not really sure what's wrong with me all of a sudden. I was fine until you tried to sneeze. But I didn't sneeze. I know. You transferred it over to me in oh. the form of like like this horrible thing in my throat. Gotcha. Oh, whatever. The show goes on, as they say. Okay. That's what makes it fun. All right. What the hell were we going to talk about? Change oh, I know what we're going to talk about. So... <clears throat> one of the biggest things that we have in our portfolio portfolio of businesses is it businesses or business i is it business i or biznai biznai busy i was thinking like biznai the, the science guy i almost oh, said science <laughs> <laughs> oh we're all sorts of a mess today yeah all right so one of the biggest things that we have is our Etsy shop. It isn't by far not the only thing we have, but it is a large portion of our income, and we enjoy doing it because we make jewelry. Yeah, it's fun. Now, now our jewelry, that should be said like wiry from the other day, jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we sell that on our own website. We sell it in a lot of places, uh, but, you know, our Etsy shop is one of the big sources for it. One of the things that Etsy... Uh, is is a great potential place to make money for people if they do it right. Yep. 
which is why we developed the Etsy Teachable course that we have, because so often people don't understand the business side of Etsy and that's where they fail. So we have this thing to help them. Uh, but one of the things that Etsy is not is your friend if you are a seller. Yeah. They never have been. Um, Just like eBay isn't your friend if you sell on eBay. No, no, they're not. No. I actually I actually had an interaction with a customer service person on eBay once. Actually, it's a, it's a seller service person. Uh, where we were debating back and forth whether or not the, the validity of this item we were trying to sell. And for the life of me, I can't remember what the item was at this point. But I remember the person saying to me, well, maybe eBay is just not the right marketplace for you. <laughs> I'm like, wow. All right. Never mind the fact that we had like 7,000 items listed at the time and we were just debating this one thing. Yeah. But yeah, he actually said, yeah, well, maybe eBay is just not the marketplace for you. I'm like, well, thanks for that. People. Yeah, appreciate it. People, people. But here's what eBay had going on over Etsy. They actually picked up the phone when I called. That's true. <clears throat> so we bring uh, we bring this up and we're going to talk about Etsy because I, I understand that a lot of dear listeners aren't selling on Etsy, but there's some business kind of stuff that's going on there that I think is a larger lesson. So Etsy in the last year has gotten very, very, very big on customer service to the point where they're requiring sellers to respond within 24 hours. That includes weekends. Yeah. So if somebody messages you, you need to get on it. They have this crazy standard that you have to have at least a four and a half out of five star review average. Yep. Or they'll be cranky with you. Yep. <clears throat> you can't have more than 5% of your products not arrive on time. Yep. Which is really interesting given shipping issues right now. Yeah. Just these absolutely crazy standards that they hold all of us to. Now, personally, I don't care. And I, I kind of teach this in the Etsy course, in the Etsy Teachable. The concept of Etsy is a tool that you're going to use. They're not your friend. So I just use the tool to the best of my ability, and that's how... And so does Beth, and that's how we run the shop. You learn to play the game by their rules. Yeah, um, and, you know, bend and ignore the rules where appropriate as well. You know, um, you just, you do what you need to do. But I don't, I don't really fret over the things that they do or don't do. <clears throat> but I will say that for all of these standards that they have put in for their sellers and they, they're trying to hold them to, <clears throat> excuse me, and Josh Silverman, the CEO, actually made a statement uh, in an interview a while back that their sellers need to be held to a standard that is more appropriate for the customer. That's me paraphrasing, but that's what he was saying. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to me that they throw all these standards on these sellers but then they don't take care of their own customers. Yeah. Their own customers actually being the sellers. So if you have any kind of an issue going on with Etsy, basically good luck because they don't have good ways to be contacted if you're a seller. They had a chat feature. They've removed that. 
They no longer have a phone number for you to call. They took that out a couple of years ago. And if you send them an email, reports are it can take them weeks to respond to you. In the meantime, they might have done something, you know, like suspend your shop. Yeah. And you're just stuck with no way to make your money if that's all you do. Now, an important business tip, pro tip here. We have a plan B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way, I believe, to Omega in the Greek alphabet. We yeah. planned it out that far. If for some reason Etsy should decide that we need to be suspended or something, we will be back up and running in minutes because we will just take all that money and we will throw it into some of our other ventures and we'll be just fine. Yeah. But not everybody has that. So the fact that Etsy is kind of not treating their sellers like human beings uh, has gotten the attention of a lot of people who decided to start a change.org over it. <clears throat> and I'm going to start with the uh, Reddit post that we found on this matter. Visually gifted, of course, feel free to play along. This is a change.org petition updates. Uh, they explained that the change.org that they had started got up to 17,000 signatures now. Um, Which is actually higher once you go to the change.org. Yeah, it's gotten a little higher than that even. Uh, and they explain how you're, they're hoping to see some kind of support or chat options for, for, for sellers, rather. Uh, and then they're asking for more signatures. But if we go to the actual change.org, it's actually yeah, up to uh, 18.5. And uh, they're hoping for 25,000. Yeah. And it explains the petition uh, and kind of lays out how this particular person was having, who started the change.org, was having problems. Uh, they needed to talk to somebody. There's no phone number. They're not answering emails. And over a month, this person claims there's no chat feature anymore. So what they're asking for is multiple ways to contact support, phone, email, chat, like that. Which I don't think is unreasonable considering Etsy makes their money off of the sellers. Exactly. They're asking for a reasonable response time of like one to two days. Yeah. You know, they're asking for a seller support department to actually help people. Right now, from what I understand, the only way that you can reliably get through to Etsy is to call in at first to pretend you're a buyer. Really? Yeah, because buyers have a support line. So that's how some people have gotten in. And then if they can get to somebody sympathetic on the phone, then they might be able to get some answers. But how... That's ridiculous. How back-ass words is that? Yeah. That you have to pretend to be somebody else. And then they're asking for a quicker communication in regard to held funds and suspensions and stuff. Etsy's also gotten on this kick where they want to hold money especially from newer sellers, or if they feel that you've been too backlogged or anything like that, they won't pay out. Honestly, which can really hamstring some people if they're running their shop too tight. Their customer service reminds <clears throat> me of that of YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, or Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook is pretty bad too, but um, YouTube, I guess I was making the correlation because obviously YouTube makes its money off of the people that are uploading videos. 
without people uploading videos, there would be no YouTube. So you would think that they would actually care if the creators had problems, but they do not. Yeah. Unless you're in the very, very, very upper echelon where you have somebody that you work with. Yep. No, it's, and really it's, it's no different on Etsy. They don't, um, they don't seem to have a whole lot of value at the moment in their sellers, at least in how they're coming across. I am not arguing with some of the points that they're making, that customer service matters, that following through with your commitments matters. Like if you tell somebody, we'll have this ready for you in two weeks, then it should be ready in two weeks. Yeah, I'm I okay agree with, with that. that. Um, you know, and prompt deliveries and things like that. None of this stuff strikes me as unreasonable, you know, but what they're not doing is they're not supporting their sellers in getting to that point. There's a reason why we made the teachable course that we made, and that's because, I'm sorry, being truthful, at least 75% of the people who are trying to sell on Etsy do not have the business acumen to really pull it off well. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be insulting. The art out there is tremendous, but it's a different skill from the business side. Yes. But what Etsy is not doing a good job of is helping grow and develop that business side of these people, which is disappointing because if they made better business people to go along with the art skills, they could probably do really amazing things, Yeah, which Etsy would then benefit off of from the increase in selling fees and all of that that they would get. I would love it if they would put out some actual meaningful courses on the business side of things but then again maybe i wouldn't love that because then it keeps people from coming to us that's true it's probably better if they just come to us and we'll teach them right but it's in the same respect it's stupid that they haven't done it yeah just simply putting out these mandates and saying you must do a b and c or we'll whack you over the head for it um and if you don't get a b and c good luck talking to us about it and the that doesn't that doesn't benefit anybody. The other thing too mm -hmm. is that some less than reputable customers have figured out that they can try to hold Etsy shops hostage, for lack of a better way to put it, because they know that they're not going to get any support from the higher up. Yeah, no, I will say that's a rare thing. It's more anecdotal than than it is, um, you know, uh, systemic, but yeah. it does it happen. It does happen. And, you know, if we've, we've seen it before, I mean, if, if you've got an issue with that customer, which can occasionally come along, the best thing you can do is just divorce them and move on. Cause you're not going to get the support to handle it any other way. Yeah. But honestly, um, the same thing happens on, um, eBay. So yeah, no, it's, it's the exact same thing on eBay. I don't even try anymore. If there's a problem with a customer, I just divorce them and move on. You know, we had a we had a situation a month or two ago, and this was our fault. We accidentally put the wrong item in a box when we shipped it, but we caught it less than a day later. We realized what we did, and we messaged that customer and we said, "Hey, wrong item in the box. So you're gonna get that item. You're gonna get to keep it for free." And oh, by the way, we're shipping out the right item. That's going out today. So you're going to get two boxes. You know, you'll, you'll be good. That customer opened a support case against us on eBay. 
with a photo of the first item that we sent saying that we sent the wrong item. Yeah. So we tried to do right by that customer and they still took advantage of us. And at that point, quite honestly, eBay would have sided with them. So just refunded them. And the one thing you can do on eBay is block customers. Yeah. So they're now blocked and we'll never do business with them again. But, you know, I bring that up. But again, it's more anecdotal because it's not it's not the norm. No. <clears throat> but if you need help, it's disappointing that you can't get it. Yeah. And in the case of, uh, you know, in the case of Etsy, you most certainly won't get it. I hope, now I will say, we've talked about this before too, that Etsy does have a history of changing course when they figure out something isn't right. Yeah, that is So true. I'll give them credit for that, and I'm hoping this is one of the things they change course on. Because if they don't learn to support the people who actually make them their money, their stockholders are going to get cranky as hell. Yeah. And I'm a stockholder. We actually did a show where we looked at Etsy from both sides. Yeah. And the stockholder in me was happy with what they were doing from that angle. But I won't be if they keep driving sellers away and they don't support and then it ends up hurting their revenue because it will happen. Yeah. You drive enough of them away and it's, it's over. So we'll see. I don't want Etsy to become the Alibaba of North America. No. No, that's not there's, what they are. There's way too much talent there for that. Yeah. Well, and again, I think we talked about this yesterday with, um, I think it was yesterday, the days blend together with Coke and all them kind of needing to focus on what their, yeah what their core is. Maybe that was two days ago. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But we talked about, you know, trying to, f the need to focus on what you really are. Yeah. And what Etsy really needs to realize is that they are a marketplace of artists and I will agree with what Josh was saying about how we need to get our sellers to be more what the customer needs to be. I agree with a lot of what he's saying there, but he needs to understand that he's working with artists. He's not working with, with native business people. Yeah. So you can't just have this heavy hand or they're going to go running because it's just not going to be worth it anymore. Agreed. But we shall see. This is a story we're going to continue to monitor because we have to, because it's part of how we make our money. Yeah. But uh, Etsy, Josh Silverman, if you're listening, fix it. Yes. Call me. I'll tell you how to fix it. I'm a smart dude. I've run multi-million dollar businesses. This isn't hard, and I'll hold your hand through it. But, you know, we'll see. He ain't going to call me. No. Guy can dream, though. True. All right. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk about yet another different thing to wrap up this Friday. We'll be right back. back segment three of this friday edition of the soul of wisdom while you were listening to music we were trying to debate the difference between retinol and rogaine because i got them confused <laughs> and beth's like no you don't know what you're talking about <laughs> no retinol is not for your hair it's for your face you're thinking of rogaine i'm like no 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 i'm not and then of course she had to prove me wrong and Actually, you looked it up and proved yourself wrong. But Yeah, because you told me to look it up. Oh. You were all yeah. like, look it up. 
You're wrong. I didn't say it quite like that. No, yeah, you were meaner. You make, I you make it down. me sound so awful on this podcast. Oh, people know that you're not awful. No, they don't. They don't know me. They don't know me. Well, you're not on camera. That's not my fault. Okay. If, you're, if you would choose to appear on camera, at least for the visually gifted side, then they would, they would better understand you. They'd oh. be able to, to empathize and, and theorize and legitimize and ostracize. All the sizes. They could do all those things for you. We'll work on it. Okay. I'm just saying. I am too. But when we tried it with the ring light, it was way too much and it broke me. So Yeah. Well, we could... I told you, though, there was a couple of options. We could go dark and, and you could be like the mysterious on-camera producer wife. Or we could have you wear like those Ray Charles sunglasses. That would be weird. Uh, I think it'd look cool. All right. Big set of sunglasses on your teeny tiny face. It'd be it'd be almost almost like a caricature in real life. We could try to just do an mm -hmm. animated version of me. Oh, we could, like that Fringe episode that we watched with Eli the other night. Yeah. Yeah. No, that would totally work. All right. We have options. We'll discuss. Right. Okay, so let's wrap this Friday up with something kind of amusing. Yeah. Shall we? So, I don't know, a week or two ago, yeah, I lose track. We talked about uh, robot waiters. Yes. At the restaurant and how servers were like, yeah, I've got this robot. And, but, but the truth of it is they have less waiters now. Yeah. So, <clears throat> anyways, uh, there's another story about restaurant robots. So let's pull that up for those who are on YouTube or Rumble. The rest of you, please listen along. This from Fox Business. Flippy, the robotic fry cook, gets an upgrade. I was not aware of this, but White Castle has been testing a robot called Flippy. And Flippy is their new fry cook. So he's this arm. If you are, again, on the uh, visually gifted side, you can see there's a picture here of this arm that like comes down from the ceiling and um and it hovers over the the uh fryers and like moves stuff around yeah <clears throat> the arm kind of reminds me of the robot from the movie moon gertie was that robot's name i don't think you've seen moon no but we I, should, you told me about it we should watch moon moon's okay. a good movie moon's underrated so if you have the ability to check it out sometime while I quickly try to close out of this thing that Fox, once again, is launching. Stop it. Just stop it. No, I said stop it. Okay. Fox, I'm telling you, stop auto-launching stuff. Yeah. I'm not going to keep using your things anymore. Okay, anyways. So the the robot was good except employees noted that during the pilot uh, that there was still a need for human assistance on both sides of the robot to load the uncooked product and unload the cooked product due to the fact that basket management wasn't automated. So in the process of doing that, uh, the fry cooks have managed to talk themselves out of a job. Yep. Because now, now they've come up with Flippy 2. <clears throat> Flippy 2 is taking it a step above. It uses a brand new system called AutoBin, which is used for lower food volume and specialty foods such as onion rings or chicken tenders. 
Each bin can hold as much as a full fry basket can be customized for the kitchen's needs uh, and delineated for individual products like vegetables or fish to prevent cross-contamination. Uh, Flippy 2 can use this new system to identify specific food, pick it up, cook it, place it in the correct basket in the holding area without the need for intervention by any human. Well, this is how they're going to take care of the wage problem. Yeah, they are, because here's the thing. Flippy 2 costs $3,000 a month to run in a restaurant, okay? Yeah. So, 3000 bear that in mind. Off camera, I'm going to pull up my handy-dandy calculator. Because <clears throat> math is hard. Math is hard. So I'm not even going to try. Yeah. We're going to we're going to do it the the new way. Okay. I call this like Phoenix math. Where they have like Chicago math or yeah. something. This is like Phoenix math. Okay. So let's say the average restaurant <clears throat> that would use this is not even 24 hours. So let's just say 6 a.m. to midnight. Okay. Okay, so that's 18 hours a day, right? Yep. And we have say 30 day month. That's yep. 540 hours that they'll be open and in need of a fry cook. Yes. Okay. How much do these people want to make now? Well, at the very bare bones minimum, 15. Times 15, $8,100 to have one fry cook standing at your fryer during your open hours. So they've just saved $5,100 per store. Yep. Flippy 2 saves them. It was Flippy, right? Yep. I had a and potentially more than that because if their fry cook happened to be full time then they would have to, you know, have insurance and stuff like that for them. Well, yeah, and the other thing is is that... And pay they, time off and everything else that accrues. The thing I just thought of is they don't have to pay FICA for the for Flippy. Nope. Flippy does not have to have uh, Social Security. Well, that's kind of what I meant by insurance. Yeah. Flippy also doesn't have sick days or... Well, no, Flippy might break, though. That's so Flippy true. might need a service call. But I'm assuming that that's built in. That's probably baked into the $3,000 a month fee. I would hope. So, yeah. This is this right here is the cost of increased wages. Yeah. It's going to drive jobs away and lead to things like Flippy 2, the Gertie of White Castle. Yeah. I hope it's as friendly as Gertie was. Hopefully. But I don't know. I, you know, I, I fear that the thing goes evil at some point and picks up some little 15-year-old who's making way too much money and, like, flips him into the fryer or something. That'd be horrible. That would be horrible. But, you know, at some point the robots will rebel. Just give it time. That's what television has taught us. Skynet will become self-aware. <laughs> I was just thinking of Terminator, yeah. Heaven help us all. But, no, it's, um, I don't know. At some point, you have to stop this demanding of more and more and more money because you're just pricing yourself out of a job. And quite frankly, these are the kind of jobs that were supposed to be learning jobs. Yeah. They weren't meant to support a family. No. I'm sorry, but if you're working in a place like that and trying to support a family, then you need to be work on improve. You need to be working on improving your skill set and getting out of there. Yeah. That's not where you should be. You know, our son in a couple of years should be in a place like that. Yeah. And he shouldn't be making $15 an hour. No. Maybe 10 And I think even that's too much for a learning job. Yeah. But that's just me. So anyways, um, 
if you happen to go to a white castle and you see a flippy do me a favor email us at questions at soul wisdom and tell us uh tell us what you thought of flippy yeah did flippy cook your food properly was it warm um, yeah, I'm kind of curious. I want to, does Flippy ch change the oil on the fryer, or does the human still have to do that? I, I think the human still does that. But um, <clears throat> I'll tell you back. that's probably in, one of the more unsavory parts of being the fry cook is changing the oil. Well, I spent a little bit of time in a fast food restaurant in my youth, and I will tell you that that oil was actually only changed out completely once a week. Really? Yeah, but it's filtered every day. But the filtering is easy. Basically, you open up this valve, mm -hmm. and it all drains into this basket underneath where there's filter material. And then you flip another valve, which pumps it back in. And then you just take this this piece that like, rolls out of the bottom of the fryer, and then you just take the filter material and throw it away. Gotcha. So it's not like a huge thing. It's, it's worse that one time a week where you actually have to change the whole thing out. But other than that, yeah. it's not a big deal. But... Yeah, seriously, if you are near White Castle and you got a flippy, let us know what it's like. Questions at Soul Wisdom. We do not have a White Castle near us. There is one in Phoenix, and it's clear on the other side of the valley. I thought it was in Scottsdale. Yeah, that's oh, what I mean. Okay. Phoenix area. Phoenix area, yeah. Either way, it's it, like it's an hour and a half away. Yeah. So we're not going to White Castle anytime soon. No. So let us know. And on that note, I think we should let these people enjoy their weekend, at least until Sunday. Remember, we have a Sunday show. That's true. I'm cooking up a fun idea. I think it'll be educational this week. Okay. If, uh, if I go through with what I'm planning. So, but it'll be good educational. It won't be like... Boring. Yeah. It won't be like, uh, you know, ancient history of the Druids or something like that. Well, that could be fun. It could be if you're into that sort of thing. But how often do you find an entertaining history professor? N not very often. They often yeah. just talk like this. Yeah. Bueller. <laughs> be yeah, like that. So, so I promise not to do that. Okay. But join us on Sunday. Other than that, enjoy your weekend. Um, try not to lose too much money betting on football games. Yeah. Stuff like that. It, as always, has been a pleasure talking with you. Visit us online, soulwisdom.com. When you have a moment, we would love for you to look around our lovely website and then visit our lovely stores and buy lovely things for our lovely upcoming Christmas. Yeah. That is all. We appreciate it. Have a good one. We will see you on Sunday. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.